All right, well, will you all please join me in prayer? Father God, I pray for us right now that as we enter into this time of meditating on your word and reflecting on your message that is spoken through this story of the Israelites today, God, that you would strengthen us as a community of faith. I pray that each and every one of us would find ourselves encouraged to lean into faith and that you would begin to be breaking down walls of fear that we find in our lives, God. And may we draw closer to you in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, good morning. It's great to be with you all today. Um, as you know, we've been walking through a series called Walking in Community. Um, and today we're going to be talking about fear versus faith and what the Israelites experienced as they were journeying to the promised land in Numbers 13, as we read today. So I thought I would begin with a little story of my own of leaning into fear rather than leaning into faith um, during my story of rock climbing. So I'm curious how many of you have ever been rock climbing before? So some of you, yes. Um, well, a few years ago, um, Pastor Andrew and myself, we were in Estes Park, Colorado, and we had the opportunity to go rock climbing. And this was not like scaling the side of a mountain and being like avid rock climbers. No, we were not that. But um, this was just a large rock climbing wall structure similar to what you would see here um, at a pastor spouse retreat at a camp campsite where we were at. So um, if you've ever been rock climbing, it's this large structure that has various sizes of rocks. Um, some are very small, some are very flat, and some are big enough that you can actually reach your hand in and pull yourself up. Um, but you also have this special gear that you have on. You have um, a harness with a little pulley system with someone on the other end actually helping to hold you up in case you do slip and you fall. Well, this was my first time rock climbing, and so as I'm going up to the wall, I'm like, yes, I can totally do this. I am confident. I am strong. And as I started going up, I realized this is a lot harder than it looks because you're navigating around all of these different sizes of rocks. And some of them are very small. And you're thinking, do I really have to put my whole foot on this one little, little tiny rock? And you have to leverage yourself in the right ways to climb up. And so as I started going up, I got hit with fear. And I'm looking down and thinking, there's no going back down. And looking up and thinking there's a lot more ways to go and during this time I got stuck I was froze and, and didn't know what to do and I was really thankful that I was not alone in this situation because I had my husband Andrew next to me who was going through it with me navigating through all of the rocks I had a spotter on the other end who was maybe giving me some extra slack to try and help get me at the wall and cheering me on saying you can do this I've got you keep on going. And then there was also someone up above who was looking down and helping me find which rocks. He would say, oh, Allison, reach here. You can grab this one or put your foot here and, and just push yourself up. You can keep going. And at one point I did slip and I was so glad that I had the spotter to hold the rope and I was able to get enough leverage to swing back into the wall and to keep going. And I made it up to the top and it was awesome. And at the very top, the, the only way to get back down is they transfer you to a zip line and you zip line on down. And so it was like this little joy ride of, yes, we made it through. It was great. But the only way that I could really make it through that was with all the people who were cheering me on, who were encouraging me, who were helping me navigate through 
all of the different challenges of going up that wall. But I can't imagine that I would have been able to do it in the midst of my fear without those people. What if when we got to the wall, Andrew said, there's no way we can do this. We're not good enough to do this. Or what if halfway up he said, I'm going back down, you're on your own. <laughs> he didn't, thankfully. Um, or what if I didn't have the spotter holding me on the other end and when I slipped, I could have fallen all the way down and gotten hurt in the process. Or the person at the top helping me find my way up. This is just a basic example of what it looks like when we're in that battle of fear versus faith. Because when we're in the middle of fear, what we need most are people to surround us to help us press on and lean back into faith with God. This battle of fear versus faith is like this pendulum where there's seasons of time where we're really leaning into God, where we're pressing into him, whatever the circumstance may be, and we're saying, yes, God, we know that you're with us. And then there's other seasons where we may be leaning into fear and we're saying, I'm not good enough, God. I'm insignificant. I don't know how to keep going. And sometimes those seasons are long, where we're leaning into God for a long time and then something happens and we lean into fear, or it may be a daily battle, this vicious cycle of fear that we can get caught up in. For the Israelites, their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land was one of constant swinging back and forth between fear and faith, and what lied ahead. And in today's reading, we see how the Israelites' fear was greater than their faith, and the consequences of their choice to follow their fear instead of their faith. And so today, obviously, this theme is fear of faith, and um, as we've been going through the book of Exodus for a while now, we've looked at various stories of Exodus, but we haven't necessarily gone through them in chronological order. So I thought I would do a quick overview for us to give us this timeline up to where we are at now. So first, what we know is that Moses was called to deliver the Israelites, God's chosen people from Pharaoh, in Egypt where they were slaves. There was a call placed on Moses and a call placed on the Israelites. And there was something greater for them. And then with God's help, Moses led the Israelites away from Pharaoh's army, bringing them safely across the Red Sea, and they were forever leaving their lives as slaves in Egypt. And then we know that God prepared a promised land for them, which we're introduced to today in this story. And then on the way to the promised land, God had a very real presence with them. We've heard about him being with them in cloud and fire. And eventually the people were even given instructions to build a tabernacle, a portable earthly dwelling place for God to be with them. And then we also know that he provided for them regularly. He gave them manna and quail. And last week we heard about providing water for them. And yet, despite all that God had done for them, the Israelites lived in a constant battle of fear versus faith. We hear them constantly grumbling, we're hungry, we're thirsty, take us back to Egypt, we would have been better there. But today in our reading, we get to hear how they're coming up to the promised land. And God gives instructions to Moses to send in 12 spies to check out this land, to go see what the land is like, to explore the towns, check out the soil, the produce, and what the people were like. And so we're going to dig into this scripture a little bit. If you'd like to grab your pew Bible, it's on page 228 and 229. And we're looking at Numbers 13. And we're going to beginning, be beginning at 
verse 26. We're going to get to hear about the report back that the spies bring to the Israelites um, from their time of exploring this land. And in our reading, it talked about how they were exploring the land of Canaan for 40 days, and they explored everything, and they even brought back some produce with them. So we're at Numbers 13, verse 26, is where we'll begin reading. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and their cities are fortified and very large. We'll stop there for a moment. So we find out the land is really good. It's a great land flowing with milk and honey. But that didn't matter because the people believed that they weren't good enough against these powerful people and these fortified cities. We'll pick up at verse 30. It says, Then Caleb, who was one of the spies, silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. So he clearly has faith. But the men who had gone with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak came from them. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. All right, so when the spies go in, they find the land to be very good, and yet when they come back, 10 out of the 12 spies are afraid to even enter the land, and they quickly spread this bad report, this exaggerated bad report about this land that God had prepared to them, believing that it's full of giants and we are insignificant because we are like grasshoppers. The spies that came back with little faith were exuding fear and spreading it among the community. And their own fear in this moment was greater than their faith in God. And it didn't take long for the majority of the people there to feel the same way. So there's many different pieces of this scripture passage that I would love to explain to you just a little bit more. First is that um, in Numbers 13, this records the second of the greatest of sins of Israel during their journey to the promised land. The first was when they made a golden calf in Exodus 32 and decided to worship a golden calf instead of God. And the second is here when they have unbelief that God could overcome their fears in entering the promised land. Next is Hebron, which is part of the land that they were exploring, is where Abraham was first promised the land of Canaan all the way back in Genesis 15. This was when God made his covenant with Abraham that he would have offspring as many as the stars, the Israelites, and which makes the Israelites apprehension of entering this land that was designated for them so long ago, here and now, all the more shameful towards God. Next is they talk about the land of milk and honey. This is a metaphor that refers to great bounty. So it's frequently used in the Old Testament to refer to great bounty in livestock or produce. So the milk would be like milk flowing from goats, and the honey would be like honey that flows from figs. It's obviously a land of great wealth and great resources. It would be like us describing it as the land of opportunity. 
And then lastly is, in the reading, the spies refer to themselves as grasshoppers, which is how they're describing themselves as being so insignificant. So here are the Israelites, God's chosen people, who he had called all the way back from the time of Abraham and had a mission of saving them from their time of slavery, giving them a land that was better than anything they could ever dream. They've even seen it. And they doubt that God can truly give it to them because they believe they are like grasshoppers. They're not good enough. They believed they were insignificant compared to the giants who lived there. They were not willing to give up their own control to allow God to lead them into this land that he made for them, despite all that he had done for them so far. What the Israelites needed at this time was to surround one another in faith, to speak encouragement to one another, to remind them that God's got this, look what he's done for us so far, just like Caleb was trying to say, we can do this, we have God on our side. But instead, those that were experiencing fear spread a bad report and a fear around their land and around their people. And instead of leaning into God and choosing faith in this difficult situation, they pressed into fear, and they allowed their fear to defeat their faith. As many of you know, Pastor Andrew and I, we lived in Story City a long time ago. And while we lived here, um, Andrew worked a full-time job out at Riverside Lutheran Bible Camp. And I worked part-time in children's ministry at a church that we were plugged into in Ames. And we were part of this Story City, Ames, and faith community for about five years when Andrew felt a call to pursue ministry in a new place. And so he accepted a job at Lutheran Church of the Cross in Altoona. And it wasn't long that before we had packed up and moved to Altoona. And in that process, it meant that I had to leave my job in children's ministry. And during that time of our move, it was the first time in my adult life that I did not have a job. Um, I became a full-time stay-at-home mom with our one-year-old and four-year-old at that time. And although I greatly loved my children, um, leaving behind my ministry job made me feel like I was left without a calling, particularly because I felt that I had a deep calling to pursue ministry, vocational ministry. And during this time, I felt defeated and I felt alone. I believed that it was because I was not good enough to be in ministry that um, I fell into a really dark pit of depression and anxiety, despair, poor self-talk, panic attacks. I fell into this cycle of fear, believing that there was really no hope for my future. So one of the reasons I included the passage from Philippians 4, 8 through 9 today, is because I think it actually is the opposite of fear. It talks about what it looks like to lean into faith. And so I'll read it here. It says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of all peace will be with you. During my season of leaning into fear, I was not focusing on those things. I was not thinking about what was true of that time. I was not thinking of what was noble or right or pure or lovely or giving God praise for any of the good things that he had done during that time. But one of the ways that I got out of that really, really hard season was joining what we would call a small group. 
basically um, not, not like a weekly Bible study, but an extended family of us, an extended family of faith. And without going into all the details of what a missional community meant, that's what we called it, it was really just a family of faith for us. We would meet weekly in each, each other's homes. We would eat together. We would share our testimonies. We would lay hands on and pray for each other. We would know that we could call or text or show up at each other's houses whenever we needed something. And when we were going through something, we knew we could come to each other and surround each other in faith. It was during this time that it was the faith of those who, who were surrounding me and loving on me and encouraging me that helped pull me out of this pit of depression and darkness and focus on things that were lovely, that were noble, that were right, that were true, that were admirable, and lean back into a season of faith and praising God for all that he was doing. It was also this time in my life where a particular person that I won't point out is in this room, but who pressed into me and said that I had a calling and saw gifts of ministry in me and asked me to join in things like leading kids worship or being involved in VBS and preaching or teaching a prayer training class. And I have to believe that it was during this season in my life that my call to ministry actually began. And as you know, I enjoy all of those things because I do all those things now. So I tell you all of that to tell you this, that in order to break free of a cycle of fear, and lean into faith in Jesus Christ, we need to surround ourselves with people of faith who are pursuing Jesus. As a community, we are called to be people of faith who love on each other, who encourage each other, who offer prayer and word and action. And when one of us is going through a difficult season of fear, we're called to speak love into them, surround them with faith, and sometimes that means just listening to them. Sometimes it means having some empathy towards their fear, knowing that you yourself have gone through some of that same fear, but also speaking the encouragement of Christ's presence through his Holy Spirit over them. It means showing up when someone's at the hospital with a heart attack or attending the funeral of someone who's experiencing a great loss or jumping in and taking care of the kids of those overwhelmed moms who just need a breather. I've been there or just simply praying for someone. So we can either choose to live like the Israelites did in constant fear, who were grumbling and complaining constantly against God, wishing they could go back to their lives of slavery. But in all honesty, there was consequences for their lack of faith. It's not easy to talk about the consequences of their lack of faith, but this week, if you feel led to read Numbers 14, the next chapter in this story, um, you get to see some of the consequences of their choices of taking matters into their own hands. We hear how they continue to grumble and complain, and then they want to appoint a leader to take them back to Egypt. And because of this, God said, because of your lack of faith, you won't enter the promised land. And they were left to wander in the desert for 40 years until that generation died off. It's not easy talking about the consequences of resisting faith and stepping into fear, but I think it shows that when we do that, when we try to take matters into our own hands, there are consequences for our choices. And so we have a choice. We can either lean into fear or we can lean into faith because isn't it better leaning into God knowing that he's got something good for us 
that he loves us and we have a community of faith surrounding us, cheering us on and walking through those difficult times with us. So if you remember the timeline at the beginning that I showed you that overviewed the story of Exodus, I want to take another look at that timeline once more and break it down into smaller phrases that I think will help us remember what this story is about, but also perhaps hearing it in this way will sound familiar to your own faith story. First is that God called. God placed a call on Abraham. He placed a call on Moses and on the Israelites, just like how he has placed a call on each and every one of us as his sons and his daughters, his chosen people. And God has rescued. He delivered the Israelites from their lives of slavery, just like how he delivered each and every one of us from our slaves of sin when he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. And then God has prepared He prepared the promised land for them, and that place was great, just like how he has prepared his kingdom for us and a place in eternity with him. And then God has a presence. He had a presence with them, constantly walking with them, leading them, providing for them, and guiding the Israelites in their journey, just like how he has a presence with us now through the power of his Holy Spirit, who's constantly leading and providing and guiding each and every one of us today. And so my challenge to us, to each and every one of us, individually and as a community, is to lean into faith. Let's be a community that takes every situation to God in prayer, knowing that when we do, he'll guard our hearts, that he'll give us peace. Let's be a community that focuses on what's true, what is right, what is noble, what is pure, and giving him praise for that, because we know that when we do, he'll give us peace. And so... My challenge is that when the seasons of fear do come, because we know they will, that we'll be a community that surrounds each other and presses into faith in God. Amen.